Hi, Brian. Welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. It's a 15,000 mile call. If I'm more or less uh, right, you're sitting in Australia. We're going to talk about the Australian market today from an e-commerce perspective. Can you please introduce yourself and the retail doctor business to the audience? Alex, nice to be here. In fact, it is. It's Sydney at six o'clock in the evening. I'm uh, talking to you in Germany. Uh, retail doctor group. Uh, we've been in business for 16 years. We're an insight strategy Uh, performance business. We have online retailing, e-commerce, and we consult and advise to the retail omni-channel business market in this country, country of Australia. Okay, if if I have to wrap up the European development of the of the e-commerce, there was like a, a hype cycle in between 2000 and 2010. Then every everybody was smashed by um, Amazon. Uh, first, the manufacturers thought it was a, a cool thing to to sell there. Now now they have learned it's it's not a good thing to be dependent on like one marketplace alone. Uh, and since a couple of years, we have some other strong retailers evolving uh, out of the ashes, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. Grocery retail is definitely a thing where Amazon doesn't have like a footprint in the European market. Uh, audio, B2B, uh, it's, everything is like Amazon independent. We have strong other marketplaces from Poland and and, and the Netherlands uh, um, uh, being strong and, and very, very resilient. Uh, but overall, yeah. Most of the discussions we are seeing still in Europe when we're going to an e-commerce conference are about like the dominance of Amazon. So how, how is it? How is it like uh, in Australia? Yeah, so well, Amazon is valued now at about 1.4 trillion dollars. You know, it's it's a remarkable organization in many respects. But Australia, if I, I talk about Australia, it's a 375 billion dollar retail market, mm. of which about 95, give or take, is uh, in the grocery supermarket style business. Um, we're a country of about 26 million people, 85% live on the coast. Uh, the balance live inland, if you like. The major cities are Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, on the eastern coast. Uh, we have um, about 3,654 shopping centers in our country. So we are a country that is third in the world per capita for shopping center space. Hmm. Um, Who's first? The US, I guess. It is. It is. And Canada is number two. Hmm. Um, what's interesting around the sort of the Amazonian model is that they came to us in about 2016, 15, 16. A lot of people said that they wouldn't grow a business. But when you look at the market and the way that Amazon have grown, they follow this very clear template model. So in this country right now, um, they are prime subscription, for example, is around about 22% of Australians. In the US, it's about 54%. So, so they sort of infiltrate through that. They're broadening their categories, bringing in distribution centers. I think they made a profit last year of about $100 million. Uh, and so they're, they're building into our country, no doubt. That said, we have a very strong core base of retailers in all the categories. We see we are going through the growth of marketplaces of which Amazon is one, but there are many others growing and emerging. And we're seeing a transformation in Australian retail, consequentially, Alex. It's a lot like the rest of the world. Really, it's a mirror copy. Um, so are we seeing emerging brands and are we seeing different markets to the Amazonian market? Absolutely, we are. Uh, and, and I'm very happy to talk about those. Yeah. And and uh, 
how is Amazon playing the infrastructure game? So you might have read that I think Amazon invested 23 or 21 billion dollars uh, for just CapEx. So building new warehouses, uh, logistics capacity, uh, building new software capacity. That means 3 million per hour. And this, when I kind of, uh, 3 million per hour, 24 hours a day, third, uh, 365 days a year. And when I explained this kind of number to uh, to retailers, and especially to B2B uh, companies that kind of uh, bragged about their $20 million investment um, in 2025 to build infrastructure, I say, you know, here's a company like investing like $3 million per hour every hour, every day, like for years, how do you want to compete with that? And this kind of infrastructure investment is like killing many, many, many retail uh, initiatives because it, it's very hard to uh, to keep up this level. And customers are usually used to the uh, kind of service, big marketplaces like Amazon or Mercado Libre in, in, in Latin America or Allegro in Poland are used to serve. Uh, uh, so is there... Do you, you, you still see hope uh, among the Australian retailers or you see like rather reg resignation and say, okay, I, have, I can build my own front end, but most likely I have to use the Amazon logistic infrastructure? Um, yeah, great question. We're at the very early days of this curve. That's really the first point. If I, if I look physically at the Amazon infrastructure, you know, they're taking on distribution centers. They're definitely expanding that infrastructure play they're definitely expanding categories so they're doing everything they're doing in other countries we have a couple of interesting pieces one is the tyranny of distance we're a large land mass um, two is that we have very established retailers so if i think about you know the supermarket business in our country it's dominated by woolworths coles aldi and they're all competing they're all developing marketplaces They're all directing, building direct-to-consumer models. Um, one of the interesting pieces is that many of our retailers have an operate from legacy network systems in terms of business information. So they're starting to move more into unified commerce, starting to look much more at personalization, subscription, prescriptive models. And they're taking a leaf out of the Walmart-type models, I think, that are successfully competing with a lot of aspects of the Amazonian model. So... Early days in Australia, really, by compared to the more advanced models such as the US. And also, I think you'll see in our markets, we, we predominantly are strong in that mid to up market model. So the more commoditized logistics e-com model, which is the heartland of the Amazonian retail part of their offer, um, we, we still really very early days, as I said. And in the web engine services, I think we're seeing Amazon's model at around 20 to 25% uptake. Mm -hmm. Okay. So and, we're a few years behind in that sense. Okay. And, and from a customer adaption um, um, standpoint, so are there many uh, categories already uh, dominated from online, uh, from online retail, from online retailers like consumer electronics, fashion, sport? We see in Germany, we see some segments uh, over 50% already. I think in um, accessories for consumer electronics, it's more or less 80%. But you said there's like many, many, many uh, molds still available in, in Australia. So from a consumer perspective, uh, how do you see it? I, I, I think there's entrenched habits, if you like, particularly from, if you like, baby boomers and millennials. And then COVID played a part here, which opening up online and that played a part for Amazon, Alex. 
But you see, going to the mall and being physically centered is still a very dominant part of the Australian psyche. Now, as that starts to change, we're already seeing department stores downsizing, resizing. We're seeing shopping centers start the journey of becoming mixed use. We're seeing online penetration currently averaging at about 18% across all categories. And the balance is physical retail. So we're still still a dominant physical retail, but we're really in the curve now of seeing this, this not just the Amazonian effect, but these um, online businesses. So we remain to see where it will land, but I think the change will be slower in Australia than we're seeing in the US and in parts of Europe. Yeah. And and what what about the uh, the catch up play from B two B companies? So we're seeing, especially through the COVID, we we saw many B two B companies really changing their approach on how to sell, how 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 go how go to market works because um, um, people from the field sales force were not allowed to go to B two B customers uh, anymore. So we're seeing lots of demand right now in the B two B space uh, for composable commerce um, solution. Is it the same in Australia? It is the same. It's, it's, we talk about a term called disintermediation. Mm -hmm. And that is the idea that the classic supply channel, B2B, B2C, is disintegrating. And piece by piece, we are seeing businesses B2B go B2C, B2C back to B2B. And this sort of nomenclature that we once used is becoming a little bit fused. So what we see increasingly Uh, retailers starting to lose their B2B um, infrastructural support, B2B direct to market, and we're seeing it through all channels, but principally online. So following a very similar trend. Now, what's caused that, of course, at, at one level, is exactly what you touch on, the rise of the Amazonian-type models, the technology that enables it to happen. Uh, and so consequentially, We will see even more rapid transformation in that space in the next two two years plus. Mm, okay. No doubt. Okay. What was your uh, wow moment in uh, 2021 or 2022 when it when it came to to e-commerce? Was there something you were like super surprised to uh, to see a much faster adaption of a certain category, uh, uh, disinvestment <laughs> of a company that gave up against Amazon? It was interesting in the in the sort of the COVID period. It was interesting to see the rise and the way that the market speculated on the rise of online. So we've had some businesses over here, not Amazon, who achieved amazing capital investment ratios. There was a lot of money put into startups, techs, apps that were somewhat floating on the COVID bubble. But I was really interested to see how these online businesses were valued the earnings multiples that were, were sort of derived. Now we start to see the other side of the curve, that numbers are flattening out. Investor confidence is coming back off the boil. Without a doubt, we saw businesses raising 75, 100, 200 million dollars plus on models that made no short run economic sense other than they were online and they'd grow databases and they had the ability to penetrate. Do you have As an example? Turns out, listen. Oh, what's an example? Milk Run comes over in my mind. It's an online e online e-commerce play. Kogan over here has been very strong through the COVID period. Um, but as we talk today, we're seeing we're seeing those habitual behaviors start to flatten out. Mm -hmm. 
One of the challenges that will be interesting for Amazon in this country is that our retailers won't give up without a challenge. And profitability is an issue because we're long-run freight distribution. We're right, you know, we're a fair way away. We're not in the concentration of the US or the Americas. And so, Alex, you know, margin, making profit in this any form of economic return in this market, you have to be extremely savvy and you have to be very adroit at getting minimum to minimum product across long distances. What what is what is the average uh, delivery time today from foreign Australian customers? So I, I guess there's different delivery time depending where the next warehouse is. But how long do you have to wait usually to get your uh, your item? Uh, well, we tend to have a graduated payment system. If you're in the metro areas, metropolitan areas, uh, the more heavily residential areas, you could expect by paying VIP, you could expect same day if the order's in the morning, but typically it'll be two to three days, sometimes four days. Um, now there is a lot of attention in this last mile piece, the mm. last mile of fulfillment, a lot of attention to retailers thinking about how they can do this and trying to work harder on it. Uh, and it's an area of differentiation and it's an area of competition. But right now we would be slower, I suppose, if you use that term, than our friends and colleagues in Europe or America. But if you live in like in a, in a, in a, an urban area or like, let's say, very far away from, an, from a metro area in, in Australia, how, how long would it take to get your new Xbox uh, or whatever you want? A week, week and a half, two weeks, maybe. Maybe a week, let's say a week, week and a half. I think okay. the other thing, yeah, I mean, You'd have to be reasonably remote for that to occur, but it definitely is is the case. But 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 do you but do you think this has a negative impact on e-commerce adaption? Because uh, what we've learned in the Western market is that uh, e-commerce is obviously all about like uh, waste selection for a very good price. Marketplaces usually solve this two uh, um, this two KPIs plus fast delivery. If I can get it tomorrow, so which is kind of the standard now in in, in all established market in, in some cities, it's like same day, but let's say in uh, Germany, yeah. it's like rather tomorrow, then mm -hmm. there's no need for me to go to the next uh, consumer electronic market or to the next mall to buy something. And then I would expect that in areas where this kind of delivery scheme is not available, so you have to wait a week or uh, one and a half week, you rather go to the mall if it's a low involvement product. Obviously, it's kind of a product you you won't get there. Uh, then you don't go to the mall. But this kind of consumer behavior is now changed in a way that I don't know. My uh, my daughter's birthday is on Saturday. Today it's Friday. Okay, I have to I have to order like the the present. Most likely, it's gonna be there like next uh, next morning. And this can't be the case in uh, in the rural areas in Australia, no, right? No, not at all. Not at all. I think, you know, th these are all good points. If I think about the Australian market, going to the mall is historically an habitual way of being. So this idea that, uh, but it is changing. Now we see our major grocery retailers involving themselves in dark stores, smaller distribution points, thinking about asset development, thinking about asset distribution rather, as dark stores, supplying e-commerce product from dark stores. And this is how they're overcoming these issues of distance and, and so forth and complexity of neighborhoods and, and 
so forth. So that's how they're overcoming that. And we, if I think about Woolworths over here, the supermarket business, that's exactly what they're doing. They're driving mm-hmm. robotics. They have a business over here called Big W, which is a general merchandise discount department store. That's part of their, their company range. They're opening up their online marketplace to not just sell groceries, food, but fashion and uh, furniture and so forth. So they're doing all those things, um, building this online marketplace, robotics and distribution centers, dark stores, different model stores, strong e-commerce offer, and they're building an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what some of the others are doing as well in various categories. What I think we'll see is increasing rationalization and consolidation of brands. And a large part of those brands will play into the e-commerce space. The other thing that's going on with e-commerce over here is that our conversion rate is still, generally speaking, 3 to 6% other than grocery, so in, in non-grocery markets. So large visitation, large research. We spend an average of about four hours a day on smartphones and devices but actual throughput and conversion is still quite low. Mm, okay. Is that true in Europe? Is that consistent? Yeah, so yeah, it's 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 kind of changing uh um, and it's changing because of um covid uh, behavior and the numbers are not consistent. Uh now obviously there was a a big jump in the e-commerce adoption curve uh over the last two years then there was like in April, May, there was like a yippee yippee yay from the uh, um, uh, from the brick and mortar retailers saying our stores are full, everything is going back to normal. Yeah, we're all social instinct. The yippee okay. yippee yay yeah. is over, and now we have a couple of effects that are very hard to isolate. We have like the uh, recession, obviously, or the inflation effects. People yeah, yeah, yeah. Sp- people start saving money on uh, on lifestyle products, furniture, fashion, whatever. We have uh, the oil or energy crisis that might last two months, could also last a year, uh, which definitely changes spending. Uh, we have the war, which is uh, which is very yeah. which is very close. Uh, so for the Berlin, uh, for the people listening, like from from Australian market, maybe from Berlin to Moscow, it's just like two hours of flight time, which I think uh, is yeah. a standard flight time for a short trip on Australia. Though it's not so far it away. Is, it is. It uh, it's is, not. It it's, is. it's not so far away. So it's very 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 hard to isolate numbers. What we are seeing definitely is there's a couple of markets, especially the grocery markets, where there's more demand than offer. So uh, whenever uh, whenever a new retailer, and we have a couple of new uh, grocery retailers here in, in Germany offering stuff in Munich or Berlin, whenever this new offer is there, sometimes on sketchy business models, I agree here, but whenever the offer is there, the demand pops up. So that's definitely a market um, that is about to be dis- uh, disrupted uh, uh, here. Um, and this even led to a situation that the... Um, the standard retailers like the Aldi, Lidl's, uh, Pennies, and others are now start to catch up, experimenting with uh, the deli- last mile delivery, dark stores, um, and 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 so on. But it's, I would say, 2022 numbers are very very hard to interpret uh, because there's so many macroeconomic effects um, in there that makes it hard to use them as a prediction uh, basis. Are are you seeing many physical retailers? Closing down shops and really zeroing in on e-commerce or doing more of an omni-channel play as a general comment? 
So uh, we see obviously many closed doors in retail environments. Um, many retailers are still sticking to the omni-channel idea, which is uh, in many cases hard to achieve because it's they are designed in many ways from a retailer perspective, not from a customer uh, customer's perspective. Um, we uh, we recommend usually when there's a retailer with a strong online business to f to separate those businesses to really run the online business uh, on 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 an own balance sheet and an own company and just to uh, put the store based business in a in a bad bank, but uh, obviously that that doesn't find uh, too much acceptance in the market yet. But I think it's for many retailers a smart way. If you've achieved like a 200, 300, 400, 500 million level in your online business, uh, spin it out, uh, let it run on their own. Because it much likely will uh, will have a better trajectory uh, uh, in the future than than having this kind of omni-channel burden um, on it. It's it's still so we are seeing now that this learning curve is, is accepted that there is no omni-channel future business for many categories. I believe there is in some categories like DIY uh, because mm -hmm. many products in DIY are just too hard to ship. Uh, so um, um, uh, offering the customer the opportunity to save 50% of the price, which comes through logistics uh, by just picking up your cement yeah. or wood on your own. That's definitely uh, a strong USP for, yeah. for other pieces. I'm very, very, very uh, um, uh, cautious uh, to, to be honest. It's interesting because when I think about the model in Australia, its level of maturity, we are still very much in this space of merging and integrating offline and online and retailers mm. are doing this pretty consistently along the board. Um, and part of that is that pure play, short, pure play online retail for a lot of the businesses here in its infancy and even its early years is unprofitable. Mm. Yeah. Largely large freight costs, large labor costs, and so forth. And it's often the view that by integrating rather than separating, they can produce a more economic return. But you're suggesting as they grow scale and as they get to a certain size, yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. you can separate. Yeah. So I, I I because I haven't seen so many successful omnichannel models, and obviously some of them like try to tweak the numbers and say, you know, it's 40% click and collect and see it's, yeah, it's yeah, somehow yeah. working, but it's, um, I, 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 so from a, from a pure number based perspective, um, I haven't seen like so many success, uh, cases and I'm, I'm neutral here. Obviously I'm offering and, and selling like e-commerce solutions with, uh, with Spriker, yeah. but I'd, I'd rather sell yeah. something easier to adapt for, uh, for the omnichannel retailer. But there is no easy in omnichannel to to be to be uh, to be very to be very honest. Uh, and then um, maybe one uh, one 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 part of the conversation I would I would like to guide into a, a direction that goes also like into the e-commerce history of Germany. So when in 2010, many e-commerce segments really started to uh, fly in Germany. Lots of founders from the Berlin ecosystem thought, cool, let's go to countries where the e-commerce adaption is still low, like Australia. <laughs> let's build Iconic or let's build whatever yeah. uh, e-commerce yeah. channel. Do you still see uh, um, some of those uh, some of those businesses uh, around? Was there, all, was there some like e-commerce e bonanza in 2012, 2013? And are those businesses still alive or the 
ecosystem around it? Uh, well, yeah, if I took a business like Iconic, it's very much still around. Um, again, not overly profitable, but growing scale, still, growing customers, still. growing database. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it's just a difficult model. I think they might have just started to run a little bit of surplus. Mm -hmm. but, but again, if I think about, you know, from an Australian point of view, Australians were very early adopters into e-commerce in around 2000 with the dot-com boom. We had a high level of businesses who were early adopters into the e-com play and didn't come out of it too well. They were just too far ahead of their time. So there was a reticence and a reluctance to go fully into e-commerce. Now it's really kicked in in the last few years with a vengeance. So in that 2010 to 2015 window, definitely some businesses did well, but it was a very slow start. Mm, okay. um, mm. And offshore businesses like Iconic, yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting about these businesses, I think, is that the the heavy investment models getting into their target market because we're not a big country in terms of scale. So 26 million people, there are cities around the world with more people than that. We're a country spread over many thousands of kilometres. And I come back to this point about the unique build in each community, dominated by a shopping centre, dominated by uh, high streets, and e-commerce in the last, in the early years, was comparatively slower vis-a-vis -vis the rest of the world, but catching up fast now. Hmm. Okay. And is there like a lot of, um, and that's the other question I would have if I look on the globe. So it seems to be rather close to Indonesia and, and China. Do you, yeah. do you see that um, uh, companies from the Asian market, especially China, like, like Alibaba, Tencent, are do make a good job in expanding their business into the Australian market because they are trying the same into Europe. They try to build like mm -hmm. hubs, uh, but it's obviously uh, very, very far away, but they only, it's only 50% of the, uh, of the distance when it comes to the Australian market. So is there some, and, let's say Alibaba super offer in Sydney available? No, not really. It might, it might be 50% of the distance saved, but it's probably 10% of the population target. So, you know, yes. in that sense, in that sense, it's, we don't see a lot of them. Um, That's it. There's there's strong online, but nothing, but but it tends to be quite regionalized by demographic. Um, no, our predominant relationships with China tends to be more above the line trading partners, um, less so than than site specific. That said, it is growing though. It's definitely growing. Okay, and then my last question is: so your company is named Retail Doctor, <laughs> means, Retail Doctor Group. Yeah, Retail Doctor Group. So, uh, so uh, that usually means the, the, the retail companies you're working with they need a doctor. Uh, <laughs> where, where, like where, where does? Yeah, where? Yeah, I um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I could think of better names. I've, I could think of like uh, <laughs> the 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 retail coach. Yeah, or the, yeah, the retail yeah. accelerator or so, yeah, uh, because yeah, yeah. Uh, because Good. it's it looks like or it, it 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 yeah it looks like the people coming to you with problems, but it, it would be nicer to get like customers say okay I want to expand faster, tell me how I can we, get into the we, New Zealand market. We do most of our work in that space. Hmm. That's in the growth the growth of businesses, um, both 
offline and on- online for that matter. So a large part of our business is into research, consumer mm-hmm. market and so forth. Um, and so we help businesses, of course, but uh, sometimes, well, the dominant of our efforts is always in the spaces we talked about today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, then then I know how it uh, how the name came how the name came and uh, and we have a lot we have a trading name for retail doctor in Germany, Alex. So if you're interested, do let me know. So retaildoctor.de or it's just like from a from a brand trading brand, perspective. Just we own trade we own the brand and trading. Yeah, um, yeah. So so obviously we are focusing lots lots on the B two B market or like we call it like sophisticated uh, retail market when grocery companies try to expand into the e commerce system. That's they they just need more than an online shop. That's actually the area we are. Uh, we yeah, are yeah. we are serving, but I let you know actually before we started the recording. You told me you're going to be like in uh, in, in in Germany soon uh, in early 2023. Maybe until yeah. then, uh, I've uh, I've redecided <laughs> and make up uh, my mind. Uh, Brian, it was yeah, Brian. It was a very good uh, very good uh, conversation about the Australian market. Thank you for your time. 